We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. <laughs> I don't know why that on so <laughs> Alright, welcome to Looks Like We're Lost, episode 11. I'm Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a man who's one step closer to being declared fittest on earth. It's Tommy Cooksey. Yeah, you, uh, once the top guy's gone, there's room for all of us. I gotta think 2025, I'm working through this shoulder thing, you know, I'm a little bit on the wrong side of the age of 30, but, uh, but, but I'm there, I'm ready. Hey, it's a war of attrition, man. <laughs> If the fit people keep on retiring, who's left? You just got to outlast them all. It's like, uh, you know what it's like, dude? Hey, here you go. Have you ever golfed with a, with somebody that's like over 70? No. So, so Okay, so basically, off the tee box, they hit, a dry, they hit a hybrid or a driver 150 yards straight. Then... They go to the middle of the fairway and they hit the hybrid 150 yards straight. <laughs> they just are going to outlast you. They are going to bogey you to death. And I think that's I love that. that's the trajectory of my life. I'm just going to bogey people to death. <laughs> yeah, true grinder. The uh, there was a guy I played high school football with, and you know, uh, I have to mention, we did win the state championship in 2003. 5A. So we, state championship 5A. 5A. That's no joke. That's basically community college. It's basically <laughs> D1. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like one step away. Uh, so, you know, it's not like we were the worst athletes in the world, but we definitely weren't the stars of our team either. Mm-hmm. And he used to say to me, mostly because he knew how much I loved it, but we'd show up to practice and he'd come over to me and be like, you know, Dust, guys like you and me, we just got to keep showing up. <laughs> I was like, you know, I thought it was funny because it was like a self-deprecating dig. And now, like two decades later, it seems like deep, deep wisdom. I mean, look, man, uh, I love that. Um there's a reason they give out an award to people in elementary school for perfect attendance. Uh, there's a reason that, well, look, Kyle Ripken Jr. is my favorite, you know, my, probably my, my um, most favored athlete of all time. And it's not like his statistics were that great. I mean, yeah, he hit, you know, he, he had over 3,000 hits. He had over 400 home runs. But when you play in that many games, <laughs> like, you know, and you're not below average, um, you know, his record is just because he did his job every day. He just showed back. He just showed up and he worked hard. So the volume approach. No problem. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Yeah. I think everybody respects it because it's so attainable. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can just keep doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. And we, we probably underrate it because nobody really does. It's actually, it's actually seems like it's pretty rare to just 
constantly show up. Hey, I didn't want to like show that up today. Resiliency. Yeah, I got a little bit of a yeah. little bit of a head cold, but I was like, you know, we're putting in the reps, and I think we've talked about this before, but but uh, d- does uh, d- do your kids watch Sesame Street at all? Not it, yet. It would. We, uh, it would we have re- successfully moved through the first two years without screen time. That's impressive because we have not. Um. <laughs> right now, just quick aside. Right now, th- whenever I say like I get excited about the Chiefs, I'm like Walter the Chiefs. He points to the TV mm-hmm. because the TV is synonymous with the Chiefs. It's like the only thing he's ever seen on. That's there. so funny. Good. Good for you guys. Yeah, we're not there. Uh, it would also require you to, to purchase an HBO Max subscription, but uh, one one of my favorite things is so there. You know, you know, you remember Grover from when you were a kid, right? The Blue Monster had the big yes. pink nose. Uh, he's got a character, a sub character called Super Grover, and Super Grover is like notorious for doing everything wrong. Like he's trying to um. Uh, lift a piano into a bird's nest, right? It's completely defying the laws of physics, but the birds need his help. And so he's trying to pull it with noodles. He's trying to lift it with, you know, all these objects that certainly won't work. But his tagline is Super Grover. He shows up. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it so much. (laughs) I do love that. I love something to be said for it. Yeah. He shows up. Uh, so for the reason we're on this topic, um, for those who don't follow the sport of CrossFit, which is a little bit different than the exercise methodology, mm-hmm. uh, for the last five years, the best CrossFitter on the planet, uh, who gets the title of most fit on earth on the male side of the house is a guy by the name of Matt Fraser. And Tommy and I are both, you know, we both love the methodology, but I think we're both big fans of the sport. Yeah. I love the documentaries. I will watch every second of the streamed games. Yep. Um, I even went back and watched all the early ones that I, you know, that happened before I got into it. Um, and so, like, five, it's hard to overstate how dominant this guy was. Mm-hmm. It was. It actually made it kind of boring to watch. Yeah. Uh, And anyways, he just announced his retirement. And it got me thinking because we're also going into this Super Bowl. And uh, I am from Kansas City. I've been a huge Chiefs fan my entire life. Was afflicted with being a Chiefs fan. And then we got Patrick Mahomes, and my my entire world changed. Yeah, you know we got we got Patrick Mahomes right around the same time uh, Walter was born, and I'm not sure which one made me more optimistic <laughs> about life. Right, I, dude, I get it, man. I get it. Um, so I'm well. I was just thinking about uh, kind of the greatness thing in general, mm-hmm. and comparing a guy like Matt Fraser to a guy like Tom Brady because it's so easy for me to root against Tom Brady and it's so easy for me to respect Matt Fraser. Yeah. And uh you know they're both like uniquely great at what they do. Um I'll pause there cuz it seemed like you had a thought. 
but then I had like a couple of questions. Yeah, that I was curious your input on both guys. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, so it's so yeah, I I absolutely respect what Matt Fraser does, and you're you're right, man. The methodology. I will say that I'm I'm happy to have started working in things like the Peloton riding and stuff like that, just to kind of mix it up. But the methodology, is, as as I found it, 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 there's nothing that equals both physical, uh, the inside and the outside health of the human body. But but even beyond talking that, about the, CrossFit. yeah, talking about CrossFit and, and even the, the the mental fortitude of it is, you get under a barbell that's that's weight you've never lifted before or weight that you've only thought about people lifting, or or you push through a workout where you think I gotta quit. And then you grab that little bit of extra from within and tell your brain, hey, shut up, we're going to keep going. So it's, it's been, it's, you know, for me, it's been just kind of a gift. I, you know, I, I met my wife doing it. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I have to say right there, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I, I think I saw this stat that, that like Matt Fraser, you know, his, uh, his average CrossFit games finish is like just under sixth place. <laughs> So right around fifth place, his number of individual event wins are in the dozens. Like since he competed, he never finished lower than second place. Um, and then yeah, you know, so it's it's very easy. Although it's funny because he's also got this kind of arrogant swagger to him, where you're like, he would be easy to hate. Where you know Rich yeah. Froning, Rich Froning had the arrogant swagger too, but you know he has Ephesians six fourteen tattooed down his, his side, and you know he's the easy guy to root for is Ben Smith. You know he's the plain, oh, he's yeah. plain, plain Jane. You know he does has no flash to that guy at all. He's been a dad since you know he was before he was a dad. Um, yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that of all the CrossFit documentaries and look. I, you know, I don't, Katie's probably done less than, I don't know, 50 deadlifts in her life. She doesn't touch a barbell. It's not her thing. Yeah. I think, you know, she wouldn't be opposed to it. It just like didn't enter her life. But even she loves the documentaries. Yeah. So if you haven't watched the, the fittest documentaries, um, I, I guess I should have saved that for recommendations, but highly recommended. But I bring that up because 2015, which is the last year that somebody who wasn't Matt Fraser won a CrossFit Games, was Ben Smith. And it was by far the most pleasurable CrossFit Games to watch. Yeah, It was suspenseful. It had like an underdog quality, which seems to be pretty rare in the world of professional fitness, you know, maybe, maybe you get some upsets and like a one-off run and things like the Olympics, but in something that protests to be a test of fitness, so many things get done and it's a three day event that it irons it out. Mm -hmm. Like an underdog is rarely going to take something like yeah. that. And, and so like 2015 is a great place to start. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree with that. For anybody who for anybody who just wants to take a recommendation on like, you know, one, they're incredible documentaries. They do a great job of capturing the human spirit. And two, you will never feel so motivated to go just work go out. Go get after it. Yeah. So it's funny too. So the second guy we can talk about all the greats, as many as much as we have time for, but I went from a uh sipping on the haterade with Tom Brady. 
to just appreciating what we're witnessing right now. I mean, mm-hmm. he has played it. I mean, uh, our buddy Quint was sending me some different statistics. He's played in like 19% of all Super Bowls. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, I don't know that we'll ever in our lifetime see anybody that has that kind of a run. And not to mention, he's like 43 years old. He's still doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been healthy. So well, that the the forty three ness of it, uh, I think, gets me kind of to what I was thinking about with Matt Fraser because it's just the look five years of CrossFit time like that compounds on you. It's a uh, it, you know it's an individual sport like most individual sports you see right like uh, Olympic wrestling. Um, I call it Olympic, but amateur wrestling, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Not the WWE. Right. Like, those guys' careers aren't that long. Nope. You know, MMA, like, you don't... Every now and then, you'll get somebody who stretches it out closer to that, that 40 range. You know, there's... You have to combine a lot of different disciplines, so it probably takes off a little bit later. But those careers aren't that long. Like, somebody being the best for five years on something that is individual which makes it highly volatile and also incredibly strenuous on your body yeah like that's insane and so i think there is a pretty good correlation to you know tom brady doing something for 20 years uh either way amazing yeah i guess the question i was coming around to either of them and i'll use matt fraser as an example it's a little bit easier for us to visualize since you know we've been in crossfit boxes we know what that is would you want his life yeah that's a great question no very easily i say no and very i very easily yeah very easily and this this comes back to what are what are you willing to sacrifice to reach the level now if if i'm his age if i think he he might be like 28 now i don't know his exact age I think he's I think he's 30, 31. Is he, is he, has he reached that point? So like when he started this, I was, you know, I started when I was like 24. Yeah. Would I want his life then? Maybe. Cause what was I doing? <laughs> like, you know, right. I was making my dinner decision literally once I finished the workout, it was like Chipotle or, uh, or Jersey Mike's, you know, uh, that's, that's still a Sophie's choice. It's fantastic. But both, both are wonderful <laughs> and overpriced. Um, but, but at the, Knowing, so I read the blog post that that he kind of put up there as to why he retired, and he's like, you know, he missed bachelor parties, he missed weddings, he missed uh, dates with his wife. Um, every every single decision that he made was based on how it would f- affect his training and his performance. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not cut out for that. I'm not cut out for that. I like I like breaks. I like the ebb and the flow, and I don't personally don't have the switch where I can just I think that's a that's a a singular thread you could find amongst like these goats like Jordan um Kobe I'd put Woods in there that's if you've there's a documentary out about him that you know he might have been forced into this maybe a little brainwashed Mm -hmm. but these these folks that I mean even like you know like Serena right they are like I am going to make every decision possible to optimize and I'm always thinking about how I'm going to beat the next person and not mm-hmm. like 
man, yeah, I want a double scoop of that birthday cake ice cream. Absolutely. And I'm not going to even worry about it. What I think is weird about imagining that life is almost instantly you start to imagine the tangential things around the obsession. So you start imagining the money and like, oh, I could vacation places or rubbing shoulders with the types of individuals you'd never have the opportunity, right? Like you hear about people like uh, Tom Brady, you know, getting to sit down with Michael Jordan or getting to sit down with Tiger Woods or Kobe Bryant and talk to the best in their respective fields. And like, what a privilege, right? Mm -hmm. You start imagining that and it'd be, well, yeah, that would be incredible to have that life. But the two things are almost mutually exclusive. The moment you're the person who's like, well, yeah, I want to be that great so I can have those other things. You are entering a mindset that is not being the person that's that great. Right. And I uh, I thought what was cool about uh, Matt Fraser in particular, and I'm with you. I, I think on as far as like the arrogant aspect of his personality and like there being an aspect of him that it seems like it, Maybe if I knew him, like he could be easy to dislike. I have no idea, yeah. right? It's, you, you try to get a vibe. But one thing he talked about that was really cool was his parents were, uh, if not Olympic athletes, very high caliber athletes. Mm-hmm. I, I believe figure skating, of all things. Okay. And, uh, and so they had all these stories about traveling the world and... Uh, you know, being in competitions in Europe and South America. And he, you know, stalled out on an Olympic lifting career and was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to be a mechanical engineer in Vermont or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. Right. And I think he had an awareness about uh, as things started to blossom for him and he realized like, oh, I'm actually really good at this CrossFit thing. I think he had an awareness that he might be missing out on that thing that his parents always had, that he always wanted that, and was able to keep both eyes open. Because mm-hmm. you hear him talk about it in interviews time and time again. Oh, I'm so lucky to you know, go do this fitness demonstration in Berlin, even though, is it a pain to travel? Does it kind of knock me off a little bit? Yeah, but I get to see this place that would not have been available to my life otherwise. Yeah. So I at least commend him on like keeping keeping that duality open even as he laments, you know, weddings, bachelor parties, etc. and missing out on all that. Uh Yeah. There's there's something uh there's something good to all that even though I'm with you. I what what got me thinking about this, I'll, I'll mention it for what's probably the eighth time on this podcast, is the Visualize Value Instagram account. Yep. So Visualize Value, it's a minimalist site that gives you visuals for motivational sayings. And it had one this past week that was two circles that were the exact same size. And the caption was, uh, opportunity expands as focus narrows. And... You know, the second that has two similar circles, the word focus under one, the word opportunity under another, 
and the focus circle in slide two shrunk and the opportunity circle in slide two expanded in three it was gigantic uh an opportunity and pinpoint on focus and i think that's the thing that is hard to cope with you know is you want all that opportunity but in order to get it you have to sacrifice a lot of decisions like you actually give up a whole bunch in the short term and then you you hope it pays off because the flip side of that is matt fraser's slogan hard work pays off do we really think he works that much harder than you know the the 45th fittest man alive exactly that 45th yeah. guy is busting his ass and probably making like he also has to keep another job in in some ways he's probably working harder or he's got kids and a job right it's yeah i think you you wager a lot to have that narrow of a focus you know yeah and like I, did and tom I, brady yeah. really work that much harder than i don't know elvis gerback <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely worked harder than like Ryan Leaf, right? Right. Um, but there's got to be NFL quarterbacks that worked harder than he did. Oh yeah, I, well, you, you know it's funny because it, this this all goes back to you know our conversation with with uh, Bunga last week. When we're talking about travel, and I think about this a lot. Is like. You know, you see the Matt Fraser and you, you know, we all we're all privy to a little bit, a little slice of his life because of social media or even even you see like some of your friends out there. Right. And they're on a on a trip somewhere or like you see Bunga and he's out traveling the world. But what you mentioned about all the planning, uh, all the, the short term sacrifice, I mean, he you know, he quit his job for, uh, you know, six months and he um you know the the people that he might have met working at that job, or the 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 financial comfort he might have had with the job, and so to to do something that not everyone wants is is able to or wants to do requires a level of sacrifice. That yeah, I mean it's just but but you're right. That I, I love the slogan "hard work pays off." Um and yeah, and I agree with it, but um. You know, there there are people in, in in our local gym here that work their ass off and they're just not going to be, <laughs> just, yeah. they're just not going to be, it's just not. It's not all equal. Know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, like, I, yeah, the dude's forearms, if you ever look at his build, some people are just built for that kind of thing. You being six foot five or seven fat. or whatever, he's just not, gonna, it's just not going to be a good, good movement patterns for you. Not going to work. Um, like, you know, you made a joke. Hey, if it was just push-ups and cycling, you know, maybe, maybe I'd be in the game. Uh, I was just going to ask Brady versus Belichick thing. Love is it. that <laughs> ridiculous to you, or do you have a take? I think it's. I don't think it's comparable. I think it's too hard to. I think the two together, undeniably dominant. Um, but given that football is, is, a a team game, team sport, you know, you have 11 other guys on the other side of the ball, 10 other guys, you have a, you know, this entire staff. I don't know, man. You know, it's like, is Andy Reed really just that good? 
or has he had really good teams? I mean, he's really good, but he can be really, really good when he's got a stud quarterback like Mahomes or someone like that. So I don't know. I think just because Belichick had a had a rough year with a quarterback that's probably a little washed up and then has no name wide receivers, it's probably not the end of his run. Twenty years those guys were together. And Yeah. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Just keep spacing out. All right. Due to technical difficulties, we're gonna move on. Wrap this thing up. That's fine. Uh, question of the week All right. on the finding ourselves question of the week. Um, what do I do? What do I keep doing that keeps hurting? Why do I keep repeating this behavior? What do I keep doing that keeps hurting? Why do I keep repeating this behavior? Yeah. And I have an answer also, if you need a minute. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. Um, so for me, it would be, um, like negative self-talk. So, um, you know, you, you do, I, I do something or I'm, or, uh, don't do something or whatever. And you just tell yourself, ah, oh, you're what an idiot. You knew better than that. You know, ah, oh, you're so, why couldn't you just do it the first time? You know, these are conversations that I'm usually not having out loud. I'm having them inside my head, talking to myself. Um, even though consciously I recognize that that's it's not productive, it's not helpful. Um, and trying to give my, give more grace to myself and and why I keep doing it or or why it continues to happen. It's not a, you know, it's not as regular as maybe it once was, but it's pretty simple. It's just, you know, it's a force of habit. It's something, it's, it's a, it's a pattern of behavior and a pattern of self-talk that shoot, I've been doing it for my whole life, you know, ever since I could, could really be, be cognizant of what a good or a bad decision was. Um, and in, in some ways, I think it probably served me okay. I'm still alive. I'm still here. I've been moderately successful in my life. Um, from a sports standpoint, you know, I, I wasn't really good at, like, basketball, but I'd stand out in the in the driveway and I'd shoot 10 free throws. And if I didn't make 10 in a row, I couldn't go inside. And if I missed the 10th one, I'm like, you're an idiot. You could have made that. And so in some ways, you know, it, it, it may have served me served a purpose or served me well, but, uh, it does not, it, in the long run, it does not. And so, um, I think it's, I think that just to answer it succinctly, the negative self-talk is something I, I probably continue to do, even though I'm aware that it's not productive and it's simply, it's been a part of my being. It's part of that lizard brain, you know? Um, so yeah, so that, that, that's, that's probably the one that sticks, sticks out to me right away. Well, I think the thing you said at the end is super helpful because I, I think a lot of people, once they recognize a negative personal attribute, they almost want to get negative about the attribute itself Mm. and it causes some self-loathing. And I think recognizing that even our bad habits exist because at one time they served us is to me like helpful in letting it go. Mm-hmm. Like I read that uh, I'm blank on her name, but the the lady who does the magic of tidying up and a big part something Como Mar- Cuomo, Marie, Marie anyway. Kondo Marie Kondo yes yeah Marie Kondo that's it. 
And, you know, part of her thing is, like, thank this object for bringing you joy before you let it go. Like, you, c- it doesn't mean that you're erasing this part of your history or uh, eliminating your past by letting go of the attribute. Like, it did good for you, and it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. So, I like that you recognize that aspect of it, because it also is part of what I'm about to do. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, the thing I keep doing that keeps hurting is I still make decisions as if I'm just me alone mm. and not a we with me and Katie. Mm-hmm. And I find myself regretting it all the time. Uh, So an example that happened recently is I was kind of okay with giving Walter's almost two. He'll turn two in a couple weeks. And I was okay with giving him like a quarter of a banana and letting him take bites off of it. And I don't know like the rules or what a pediatrician would say, you know, like I'll give him like, I'll give him bigger foods and I think he's going to be all right. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, Katie is nervous about it, and she's probably done a lot more reading on it than me, and is like, look, just slice up the bananas, like, make them small, like, less of a choking hazard. And I agree. I actually said, okay, like, we kind of went a couple rounds, and then finally I'm like, hey, if that's what would make you happy, I'll, I'll just cut up the bananas. I don't agree, but I'll do it. And she's like, thank you. And, okay. It's not that big of a deal, right? Like, it's just a decision. It's a negotiation, and we've made a choice. Mm-hmm. Almost the very next day, I'm giving him a banana. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie's upstairs, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, he's always been fine when I give him the banana. It's a, I'd have to get a knife out. Yeah. I'd get it dirty. Like, these knives don't run through the dishwasher. i got to hand wash it. Yep. <laughs> I'm making up all this stuff. And so I just give him the banana. And then whatever Katie was doing, she wrapped up and she walks down and she sees him with the uncut <laughs> banana. And I know to my core I am wrong. Like, there's, I made my case and I agreed to a mutual we decision. Yeah. And then I still did it my way because like, hey, it's easier. No one's going to find out. Yep. And so part of part of like reckoning with this, and look, that's just an example. I do versions of that a lot. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes no one finds out and everything's fine. Sometimes it has been like a barn burner. Like we've, we've really got to get into it. Yeah. And so I've been getting better. I will say that. I'm not I'm better than I used to be. But part of it has been like, okay, yes, you recognize why you have done that like in the past. Like it does benefit you when you're just alone to like tell people something and then go about what's easier. Like there was benefit to it. And I won't deny it even if it's slimy. Like there's there was something that made life easier. Mm-hmm. But 
I gotta get past that. It is not making my life easier. If anything, it's like corrupting a little piece of my soul. Dude, <laughs> not to be too melodramatic. No, dude. I mean, it's hard. It's very hard. There are people that, and and it, my wife's very good about it. She is. She's very good at, um, placing the holistic view of the family before her own. Before her own, mm-hmm. and. That's it. I I'm right there with you, man. I I have often and still sometimes do. I'm also getting better at it, but you make the decision that's convenient for you, and then you know because of the way you know the we're in sales and we've always probably been very convincing people. We can convince ourselves that we did it that way, and that's like like your Walter with the banana example. I'm gonna keep an eye on him, and he's got to learn to eat a banana like this anyway, and so. You know, I'm going to be here, you know, and so I can do the same kind of things with like, well, I'm going to go drive that way anyway. So might as well, you know, so, uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Look, I'm an analytical person. If I think I've weighed all the possibilities and something like cutting the banana or not cutting the banana and am I here for adult supervision? To me, it seems very simple, but there's a lot of life that comes up that way. And it's like, just even if I'm right, right? Like even if my opinion is technically going to lead to the best outcome or possibly lead to the best outcome, mm-hmm. it is no longer the right decision if I am making it unilaterally. Sure. You know? And that's the thing I have to like hammer through myself. It's not about being right. It's about being together. Mm-hmm. And... I I know that in I told myself that I've journaled it and yet it still keeps creeping up on me. I keep repeating the behavior. So, well, I'm you trying know, it, on I'm trying real hard on that one. Well, so you know, it's one of those things where you know, to, just to use an analogy, like that was your th- those decisions were your sharp blade. Like that was the way you that was your survival, and it just takes a couple. It takes more polishes to dull down the blade. You know what I mean? And so, you know, mm. at least at least you're aware. That's that's the first thing. You're aware of it. You're not in denial because that's something I would do is I would I would take the behavior you know, similar to what you're saying. It's this kind of sort of self-serving or or self um yeah, you know, self-serving behavior. And then I would if I was confronted about it, oh, I'd go into attack mode, right? Like, no. This is why I'm doing mm-hmm. it this way and I'm not backing down. But to then be acknowledge it, know what's happening, and then be open to understanding and hearing how could we do this as a team, as a group together. It just takes time, man. It just takes time, and you gotta you gotta build in a little bit of room for grace too, because you know it's what what's what could very easily happen is you just fall back into what has kept you alive for thirty five, thirty six years, right? Yeah. All right. That was good. That was a good one. That's yeah, that's dude. one I need some serious focus on, so I'm glad I got to verbalize it, yeah, get, it get it out in the world, and start hammering it. So recommendations. Uh, what do you got? I got an easy one, man. I got an easy one. Uh, so at, at this point, probably, uh, most people know that Yellowstone is one hell of a good show. The barrier to in, The barrier to entry, though, is 499 on Peacock. Yep. Uh, and if you pay four ninety nine, you still have to watch some commercials. Um, mm-hmm. But let me just say 
that is a small price to pay for entry uh, for a fantastic, fantastic show. The only way I can describe it, if someone had described it to me this way, I probably would have been more uh, more committed to doing it. Uh, I'm glad Annie just decided to go again. She just decided we want to watch it. So we, she just downloaded Peacock and paid the subscription. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this. Uh, it, it, it's, nice. it's a Western mafia movie that's that's got amazing character development. Amazing. Uh, so my favorite character by far, I don't, you, you have to agree with this. I assume you would is rip by far hands down. Now we're not oh, done yeah. season three, but I don't, there's nothing that dude could do that would, that would make me not like him. So I'm back on season one. I've just, we finished season one, like a couple months ago and we bought it on Amazon Prime. So for us, the entryway was $20 for the season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I justified because, look, we'd pay way more to go see a movie back in the day. Absolutely. We're stuck here, you know, COVID times, uh-huh. like 20 bucks, whatever. But uh, maybe that's the way to go is just like, let's download Peacock and blitz it. That's what we're doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, I could, you know, get it done for five to 10 bucks. Oh, well, that's what I told Annie. I was, she was like, she was like, we'll get this done in a month. And I was like, well, we have all these other yep. shows. It's four ninety nine, and And I think we've been watching it for two weeks and we're almost done season three. <laughs> so, so we'll be, we'll be, we'll be done in a sec. You know, the arbitrary value of those things just kills me. I'll spend $10 at the local coffee shop on a walk every single day. Yep. And yet the idea of like, do I want to spend $5 for what, 18 hours of entertainment, exactly. whatever it is, yeah. 12 hours of entertainment. Uh-huh. It's like, it should be a no-brainer if it's what I want. Exactly. But, Kevin And Kevin Costner is a gem. Right. So, highly advised. <sighs> highly advised. It's worth, it's worth the American price. treasure. Yep. The, uh, the thing is, you'll ultimately end up paying a lot more because you'll want to start buying all of that Northwestern style. <laughs> The bo- dude, the bolo ties, the bolo ties are, are all the rage, man. I want one so bad. I've I've been season one. I was seriously considering a Carhartt jacket. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong. You and you'd get a lot of use out of it this uh, this winter, no doubt. Uh, all right, my recommendation is a book I just finished for uh, my men's book club. It's called Barbarian Days: A Surfing Life. It's written by William Finnegan. Um, he is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, uh, known I mean, maybe as much for this book now. He released this book in 2015. He was 65, or maybe like 61 when he published it. But before that, like he'd mostly done, uh, you know, war correspondence. He covered apartheid in South Africa, spent a year over there. Uh, and so was, I think, mostly viewed as a serious man and he released this memoir and it covers a vast majority of his early life and then jumps uh, several years as it focuses only on his world travels chasing waves he he basically spent the first I don't know 10 to 20 years whatever it was of his life uh, wondering if he was wasting it and if life was meaningless, as he just wandered around islands to surf spots, um, 
unknown surf spots long before they were discovered, you know, long before the internet could tell you where the best yeah. waves in the world were. Um, and especially coming on the heels of our conversation, uh, last week. So for those who haven't listened to episode 10 with Mike Mabunga, he talked about his own world travels and the impact that had on his worldview. Listening to a guy who didn't really accept a portion of his life until he was well into the second half of his life. Uh, you know, he loved surfing, but it was arbitrary. It seemed pointless. Nobody respected it. The idea of just being a surf bum mm-hmm. was very in vogue at the time. And it was uh, it was pretty awesome to see him come around to that this idea that even if it seemed arbitrary... The fact that he had a deep love and a passion for it and all the relationships and experiences it had generated for him, it didn't it wasn't meaningless. He examined it thoroughly and he found deep meaning in it for himself personally. And it's it's really a lovely journey and I think is something anyone needs to hear for whatever craft you might be into. Uh so maybe it, it stuck with me too, the, the number of hours I spend just writing and, yep. you know, no one's paying me for this stuff right now, right? It's just right. like, it's just what I do. So uh, if, any, if nothing else, it works as a fantastic uh, travel journal. Like it's just some really cool stories being out there in the world. So that's it. Barbarian like Days, it. William Finnegan. Um, Last thing I'll say, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Uh, I hope everybody will tune in next week. Um, I'll probably put a little bumper at the the front of this, um, but we're having on a guest. I'm I'm very excited to talk to. Uh, her name's Grace Casey. She is a uh, local entrepreneur here in Raleigh. Owns her own design company. Um, has had a pretty pretty unique life story um so yeah just really looking forward to it i we'll see what the conversation actually is i can't really like tease it because we haven't had it yet i don't know what it's going to be like but uh but well, tune in because it's I'm the it's so far it. it's the the it, you know it'll be the first female voice on the podcast <laughs> which so. my wife tells me is sorely lacking yeah yeah all right brother well, well good uh, deal man Go Chiefs. Hey, another five-star show. Look, I'm giving it five stars. I'd give it six if I could. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, dude. Sign off. Yeah. Look up Greg Cooks the HVAC while you're at it. <laughs> exactly, man. All right, All right brother. Man. Have a good night. You too, man. Talk to you later. All right, dude. See you.